Good evening, and welcome to the Television Graveyard. We are your TV necromancers, Laura Prince and Noah Houlihan. We have come here tonight to examine the spirits of past television shows, to find out which ones could be resurrected, should be resurrected, and which ones should just stay doomed. This will be a podcast in which we analyze the history, the hype, and the aftermath of shows that ran only one season, including some that only ran one episode. But not this month. This month it shows that never even got to run one episode in their own right. These are the parasites, the shows that fed off the hosts of living shows. The backdoor pilot. With me, as always, is Noah Houlihan. That's assistant to the TV necromancer. Today we are talking about the episode The Farm from The Office, which is season nine. Yeah, uh, season nine, episode 17 of The Office. So if you want to watch this before uh, you listen to this, it's on Netflix. You're probably in the middle of watching The Office already anyway. Yeah, so uh, go ahead and give this a, a watch. This was a backdoor pilot. And yes. explain exactly what a backdoor pilot is. So a backdoor pilot, it kind of is a parasite of a TV okay. show in that... It runs on a more successful TV show to attempt a spin-off or a new cast of characters that's only tangentially related to the initial show. Yeah, so basically they want to see if there's an audience for taking the show kind of in a different direction and doing a spin-off. Uh, basically every episode of the final season of Buffy yes. is a backdoor pilot. Yes. Because they want to do something with the franchise. And uh, for the first one, we decided to go with The Farm, which is trying to give Dwight his own show. Yes. It's trying to make... It's trying to center a show on one of the weirdest characters in The Office uh, and trying to shift him into being the United Force Everyman. Yes. Which kind of works. So uh, I think we need to kind of talk... I think we need to start by being a little off topic. Yes. As weird as that is. Uh, because this is trying to launch Dwight, but it is still an episode of The Office. Yes, we still have a cold open in The Office. Yeah, we're still in The Office in which uh, Dwight announces that his aunt has passed away. Yeah, his aunt Shirley, who practically raised him. Yeah, like a mother to him. And he, uh, he does the shrewd tradition of throwing dirt into the faces of the people he knows black dirt means you are not invited and red dirt means you are yeah, it means you are and uh no one gets invited but oscar is too grateful to not be invited that he gets invited out of spite inspited yes he gets inspited to to the uh <laughs> to the funeral and which griffiths is the great line So, uh, we basically have two... The A-plot of this is the backdoor pilot, which is about the farm. There's a B-plot, though, where we are still in the office. So... It feels... The B-plot feels very tacked on to make it an office episode. Let's chat about this really quick, because... Because we don't want to talk about it that much. It's not... Yeah, it's not... Yeah. Basically, Todd Packer... Yep. 
the the jerk of the office. Uh, Who last time we see him, they got him fired and left him in Florida. Yes, returns to make amends, and does so through cupcakes. But uh, he's on step nine, or he's on step six of AA and step nine of NA. Yes, uh, and which was a good joke. Uh, Pam basically tries to say we can't eat these cupcakes because Todd Packer was terrible to us and does not deserve our forgiveness. If we eat the cupcakes, we've accepted the apology. Uh, but they're like, but the cupcakes are so good. So uh, yeah, they really build up that these cupcakes are like they're they're three dollar a piece cupcakes. Like yeah, they are some fancy fancy cupcakes. Uh, Pam convinces everyone not to eat the cupcakes. But then everyone eats the cupcakes the moment that he leaves. Yeah. Uh, except for Pam. Uh, just to discover that... He's laced them all with drugs. He's laced them with either uh, hallucinogens or laxatives or both. And also weed. And also weed, yeah. He said a variety of drugs, some legal, some not. Oh, yeah, that's right. There's a... There's it's a, a fun l- pack. It's a cocktail. Yeah. It's a Jeffrey, for those of you who have ever seen... Uh, get him to the Greek. Uh, so that's basically the story here. And it's it's nothing special. It's a lot of time in the office. Like, they don't shoot anywhere else. No. So it's, it feels like a very cheap episode. Uh, on top of that, like, there's a whole sequence that it's just uh, Kevin and... Um, uh, oh, Andy. Andy. And Andy just doing silly things. Yeah. Like, it kind of feels like they're filling time with it, this. It feels very inexpensively made. There's no other outside shots. Uh, it feels like this episode could have been nearly anywhere in the season. Yeah. Uh, it couldn't have... Like, this is about the latest it could have been, but it could have run pretty much anywhere earlier in the season because no other plots are picked up. Yeah. And, uh, but this does raise an interesting question. Uh, had this been a standalone pilot, we wouldn't have this no. in here. Were th- was it a standalone pilot at some point? Yes. So there is stuff that we didn't get to see. It was an hour long standalone pilot. It was an hour long. Yes, it was an hour long stand uh, pilot that NBC passed on, and it was a uh, it was passed on very quietly. Well, maybe not quietly on the West Coast, but uh, it was passed on during Hurricane Sandy. Huh. Like, it was canceled almost five years ago this very day. Or six years. 2012 was six years ago. <laughs> Time, so, man. So, but that that's interesting because that means we saw a quarter of this. Yes. Of this pilot. Hmm. Because I felt like if I really thought about it, I bet there's some stuff that's missing. But it didn't feel like empty. It didn't feel like I was missing a major element of this pilot. Uh, I felt like there was probably, we could have spent more time with certain characters and probably would have spent more time with certain characters. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's get into it. Okay. So, uh, we're at the funeral. Yes. Which is kind of the establishing for all of these characters. And everyone's there. Mose, who is, uh, the showrunner. Yes. Uh, Michael Schur. And then their other cousin, whose name I can't find in my notes. He's Badger from Breaking Bad, though. Yes. Um, it's like, oh, God, it's Badger. And this isn't the first time we saw him, but it's definitely like, I definitely had the thought of, like, you are a, too big of an actor 
to be uh, <laughs> this minor role in this show. Yeah. Repeatedly. What I think it is, is if he was going to become a, uh, a series regular, probably wasn't a bad role. Right. So, I'm trying to find his name, because for the life of me, it's going to be like Zeke or Jebediah. No, Jeb is... Zeke! Nailed it! Zeke, yeah. Um, Jeb is his brother. Yes. So, we see Zeke, and the tradition is that they stand beside the grave of the deceased, and all say... An objective fact. Yeah, just a truthful statement. This is going to be probably a a big reoccurring theme this month. A good spinoff takes my favorite character and doesn't change them at all. But changes the situation they are in. Yes. Because I want to watch the spinoff and go, okay, that is still Dwight. It's just something else is new here. And then his brother drives a very nice car. On that thought. Okay. uh, The fact that they're just saying statements, to me, harkens back to, it is your birthday. Yes. Like It's shrewdy. Yeah, it's very shrewdy, just like, yeah, we state facts. And then, uh... We kind of have Oscar as our audience avatar. Yeah. To, like, look confused and like this isn't normal. Uh, then we meet Fanny, who is Dwight's sister. Yes. Well, let, let's let's talk about the brother. Okay, quick. so the brother is played by Thomas Middleditch. Yes, who, or, as I said, the guy from Silicon Valley's in this. Yes. I think this was pre-Silicon Valley. So. Yeah. Because he was planning to do... Because <laughs> he was going to be in this show. He was going to be in this uh, show. But he plays Jeb, and he is... Uh, Dwight's brother who bought a worm farm out in California, but a worm farm is not what he thought it was. Yeah. So, uh, Dwight's brother sells, grows and sells, uh, pain management. Mm -hmm. Smoking pain Mm, management. Smoking pain management. And, uh, this, they do a really good job of show not tell here. Yeah, where Jeb recklessly drives into the grave. (laughs) He drives into the grave, he jumps out. Him and Dwight wrestle and try to throw each other into the grave. Yes. And then uh, Jeb just starts going. And like in that moment. You see, okay, he's clearly a shrewd. He's clearly, like, been away, mm-hmm. but he clearly has a, a passion for farming. Yeah. And that's just all in, in yeah. that just one moment. They build a lot on that character. And you had a misconception about this character. Uh, I misheard his name is Jim. Yeah. Which I thought would be really interesting that another antagonist character for Dwight would be named Jim. And it would have added another dimension to his relationship with Jim Halpert. Mm-hmm. That he was predisposed to despise Jim Halper. Yeah, to just not get along well with Jim's. But, like, secretly care about Jim's. Yeah, and then his sister is Fanny, who uh, lives in the city and has been away. Yes. with her. She's a single mother with her son, Cameron. Cameron, yes, yes. yes. Who is called Cammie. Which yeah, we're, Cammie. We have more to say about. Yeah, we have notes on Cammie. 
Uh, but he's a he's he's never been on a farm. This Cammy. Yeah, and, he's a city boy. And uh, basically, he has a very weak handshake, and immediately Dwight's like, "What is this?" Yes. And then, uh, so it establishes both that Fanny and Jeb have been away, but Dwight's character also holds up that we would not know that much about estranged family members for Dwight. Yeah. So, yeah, the fact that we don't know anything about this person is not... We can still relate with Dwight because he doesn't know her very well anymore. Right. Uh, Now, do we ever learn anything about Cammie's father? I think they're divorced. We don't really find out a lot about uh, Cammie's father. I think they're divorced. I know they're disapproving about Fanny being a single mother. Yeah, and this might be information that would have been in the full pilot. Because I feel like we don't spend enough time with Fanny. No. uh, The time we do spend with Fanny, uh, we establish she's a successful pastiche of the liberal Mm -hmm. like where the good family doesn't work yeah fanny does Mm -hmm. and it's because like she says something about being a published poet and she like pulls out her crappy poem in this incredibly niche newsletter yes but she's glowingly proud of it yeah like she tries to show it like she doesn't read it she shows Shows it it to to the the camera camera. which is very interesting because it's more important that it's published in this Yes. This magazine, then it actually being learned or, or heard or appreciated. It's just the fact that it's published. Which is an interesting thing, because we don't have a lot of talking heads, but we have that one. Yeah, we... I mean, there's a couple. Um, yeah, I they don't know... Because uh, The Office does that documentary mm-hmm. format, and, like, in season nine, we really see the payoff of the documentary. Yeah. I don't feel like there were less talking heads in this episode because we have Dwight explaining that they shoot the bodies yes which we're about to get to Fanny yeah okay so yeah. Fanny has a few Fanny has a couple uh, I don't think Jeb has many Jeb I think his has worm like farming is yeah one. and Badger ha- okay so that this one yeah. actually does have a lot of talking Badger heads Badger has a few that. actually but it kind of goes the Parks and Rec route where they have talking heads and it's just fine yeah they're, they're not they're not leaning into the fact that it's a documentary. Yeah, they're not acknowledging much. that it's filmed. But that's, I think that's why the Fanny one was jarring, because she is showing the cameraman something. Yeah, yeah. I mean... It's not the modern family Parks and Rec. Yeah. We just have talking heads, and that's part of this reality. Yeah, that's just the conceit of this. So, um, we also see, we establish their neighbors... We established that Aunt Shirley has a huge farm, much larger than Dwight's existing farm. Yes. And then uh, Aunt Shirley's farm borders six other farms, including Henry's. And Henry has several daughters, including Esther, who's the only one whose name we learn. Yes. Who is pretty and blonde and looks a little bit like Brie Larson, but isn't. Yeah, that's that's a good description. Yeah, like she is pretty blonde and a little too young for Dwight. Yeah, that, there's um, definitely like a, She's jarringly young compared to Dwight and compared to Angela, who is Dwight's yeah. established love interest on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is jarringly younger. Um, but 
Fanny is enraged because Dwight and Esther start flirting a little bit at the gravesite. Yes. But, like, weird flirting. Like, yeah. Like, play clip. I don't remember it being weird. They say weird stuff. They say Shrutian. Oh. It's very Shruti flirting. Okay. I'll like, play the clip. Yeah, it's... That was weird, now that we've listened to the clip. Yeah. And then we get to the uh, tradition that dictates the dead be ritually shot. Uh, Dwight offers Fanny the honor, and Fanny's like, no. So then Dwight, not once, not twice, but like, just unloads Yeah, a shotgun into a a corpse's body. It's done in a very tasteful long shot, but it's pretty funny. And it kind of, uh, the farm was clearly going to be built off weird shrewd traditions. Yes. Where we see a, the inheritance film of Aunt Shirley. Aunt Shirley mm-hmm. does a film. And we did meet Aunt Shirley before she passed away. In the office, yes. In the, in the actual main show. So she calls Fanny a single mom in the city. Uh, we established that Jeb is a former army man who grows weed. And then Aunt Shirley calls him a street pusher. Uh, and then Dwight expresses his disappointment in Jeb. Mm-hmm. That, like, he was going to be a really... He was a passionate farmer. He was a brilliant farmer. Yeah, now you're peddling weed. <laughs> um, Mutant plants from the shroots. Yeah, so, like, you know... Aunt Shirley agrees to leave the three shroots, the farm, if they all come to live there. Yeah, they all have to come back. It's a real Brewster's Millions <laughs> situation. And then uh, Dwight wants to do it. Uh, Jeb and Fanny are not into it. Yeah, because they, they, have, they need to be convinced. They have happy lives where they live. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Dwight decides to uh, extort their nostalgia. And this is an interesting thing for me. Uh, they have a sing-along on the patio, and it's clearly supposed to be a song they all know. Mm-hmm. It's a December song. Yes. So I find this hilarious, because it's this old, like, you know, oh, it's supposed to be an old song, and they're, like, a little bit Pennsylvania Dutch, but, like, a very odd version mm-hmm. of Pennsylvania Dutch. And, uh, December's was, like, kind of hipster music. Yeah, but it definitely sounds very old-timey. Well, it's that 2012 mock nostalgia, Mumford & Sons, Lumineers sound. Yes. I have a lot of things to say about this particular scene in general. Yes. Uh, Because this is where I am... I get real turned off by this as a backdoor pilot. Because they start to ruin Dwight, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, Because first off, they're playing this song and Dwight is playing a drum. Yes. Dwight, canonically, plays the guitar. 
Yeah, well. So I'm, I was very concerned to be like, well, why is he playing the drums here? This is kind of odd. Uh, and then there is an old shrewd tradition mm-hmm. that if a man wants to court another woman, he can throw a handful of crow's beaks at her. Yes. And then... If uh, she destroys them, it's her accepting the courtship. Yes. At this point in the series, like, Angela and Dwight is still kind of something you believe in. Like, they're not together, but there's still, like, something between them that you would, like, cheer for. I She might still be with the state senator at this point. She is. I believe she is still with the senator. But, like, it's already... State se- senator. I have to be Oscar in that situation. It's already set up that her wedding, her marriage is a sham, and that uh, the the senator is gay. Uh, it's you know we've already seen Shrew wanting the baby to be his, and but we've already seen it not be. We saw it not be like, but we saw him willing to like drop everything, yes. and be with Angela. So while they are apart, it's still something that we as the audience have are cheering for. Yes. Because basically, if Dwight goes off with this woman we've never heard of before, it's kind of condemning uh, Angela to an unhappy life. Because to us as the audience of The Office... She will either be with Dwight and be happy or not. Right. Like, there has been nothing to tell us that, like, being with the senator is good. There's nothing to tell us that, like, there is some other interest that she has. Like, we're not at all cheering for him, her to get back with Andy at this point. No, but, like, Dwight doesn't propose, like, you almost kind of feel like they were going to go their own ways with everything. Mm-hmm. If this show had been picked up. Exactly. I think there's a matter of, if you bring in Angela, it's the, if you give a moose a muffin. If you bring in Angela, you have to bring an Oscar, because they're living together right now. Like, Oh, I get that. But, like, me as a fan of The Office, if they were to do this spinoff, my whole time would be like, well, she, she should have ended up with Angela. It'd be like if you did a spinoff of Ross from Friends, you'd be like, well, well where's Rachel? The, he's supposed to be with Rachel. Oh, he's supposed it's to die like, alone. I liked Ross. Oh, Ross is the worst. What's wrong with Ross? Oh my god, we don't have time for that. <laughs> he is the worst. Um, Alright, prepare for a bonus episode at some point about why Ross is the worst. He had a monkey. Yeah, Marcel is fine. So, at this point, like, Angela's kind of in her humbling sequence where they they have to knock her down a lot because she's been so horrible to everybody else in the show Mm -hmm. that, like, she kind of needs that humbling for us to care enough that she's happy. I mean, I think... We're in that point now. We, I mean, it's season nine. We want all of these characters to have happy endings. 
things. Yeah, but right now... Like, like, even Andy, who is awful at this point. Well, Angela's in the middle of her, like, being a ruined woman. Like, she's mm-hmm. currently living in Oscar's closet, I think, at this right. point in the show. So, I'm not saying that, like, we, we're not rooting for them. I'm just saying, like, that's where they are, objectively, mm-hmm. in, yeah. in the show. So, like, I think... Uh... The idea that Dwight, it's the classic romantic false leave of Esther is kind of ultimately the catalyst for Angela to finally act on her feelings and get over her pride. Yeah, and and I agree with all of that. I think the arc of this season and Dwight and Angela getting back together and the show ending with their wedding is all good. Mm -hmm. Had this spinoff taken off, we would have gotten none of that. And I find that very upsetting. Yeah, the one one of the biggest issues with the office in general is that they don't know how to write romance terribly well. They always to catalyze a relationship, they always have to have a third person be collateral damage. With Jim and Pam, yeah. <laughs> with Jim and Pam, it's initially Roy, mm-hmm. and then it's Karen. Yeah, there's some damage there. And then when they're having problems, it's Brian the camera or boom mic guy. Yeah, he takes some he takes some products, some punches on the chin as uh, well. I don't know how many people uh Kelly and Ryan destroy hurt. yeah, they ruin a baby. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't know, I feel like that baby ends up better off. Yeah. Uh, uh I feel like that baby ends up with its father the father who is just uh, Craig Robinson's character does it too. Daryl, yeah. Daryl does it. Uh also, also uh, another victim. Most of Michael's relationships. All of a, Michael's relationships. Holly has think. a boyfriend. Holly has a boyfriend. Yeah, you're right. And also, Jan's assistant, who might be underage. Yeah. Another victim of uh, Jim and Pam is Toby. Uh-uh. Who is in love with Pam, so he runs away. Yeah, and then, like, God knows the Aaron gave Andy yeah. thing. So yeah, that is kind of like the mo of the office. Is they don't got to be a victim of her. her they don't really know how to set up a relationship without that drama. So, I think the reason they kept Esther in the episode because mm-hmm. they knew by the time this aired, by the time this was being edited together, mm-hmm. that the show hadn't been picked up. Right, but what I'm saying from a stay doomed point of view is. It, let's say that this does get picked up. Mm-hmm. This episode, as a pilot, would imply that Dwight does not get with Angela at the end of The Office. Right. And that this new show is him courting Esther. And that that is not a selling point for a show called The Farm to me. I'm assuming, since obviously they knew that the show wasn't being picked up, I'm assuming Angela's arc was going to be substantially different. Right. But, like, ultimately the idea of this podcast is, should this stay doomed? And, like, it's... And we're, 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 we're voicing this question a little early. Yeah. But uh, it's, it's hard for me to ever say, like, there should be less The Office... Because I love The Office. I thought The Office was a fantastic show. The idea of there being a spinoff and more to enjoy sounds good. But for that to happen, it seems like we have to then lose Dwight and Angela. And that's 
not something I enjoy. Yeah, I think we're also informed by we've seen the rest of season nine. Mm-hmm. And, like, I think they could have written around that in season nine in a way that would have made us... I I think the arc for Angela would have been that she was ultimately in, like, a happy, weird, like, quasi-family with Oscar. Yes. And, that, and I think that could have been a really good ending for these two relatively yeah. minor characters. Yeah, okay. I can get behind that as an ending. Because we're, like... We're invested in the Dwight-Angela relationship, but we've also seen the whole series. That's true. That's true. Okay. Alright. So, I think... Uh, I think this is actually a good thing that Dwight is appearing to move on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Because she's rejected him six ways to Tuesday at this point in the season. And if he's still chasing her, it's a little sad. Yeah. So... And can I just say something about this song? What? I really like it. Because, <laughs> uh, like, I've listened to it many times because Laura keeps singing it. And, yeah, what? And uh, the, the rhyme is such a weird stretch to me. Several of the rhymes are a weird stretch. Because uh, it's, We'll build our homes aluminum. We'll fill our mouths with cinnamon. Which is so dumb because if you just say the words correctly... They, they rhyme. We'll fill our mouth with cinnamon. We'll build our house cinnamonian. Adamantium. <laughs> um, I also like... It's a British joke. Uh, I also really like that... Uh, it's, again, that pseudo... But if you listen to the lyrics, it's really... It is really kind of shrewdy in a way. Cause it's about the, like... Coming out of bunkers and it's, the bombs going it's off. Very, it's very secretly about war. <laughs> but that, like... They say cinnamon a lot, so you miss it. Yeah, that, like, very cute, quaint, folksy being about bombs Yeah, feels really shrewdy. Mm-hmm. Like, it's folksy, but you're gonna, you know, yeah. pop a cap in your hand. Also, there's a moment about, you know, getting out of a bunker and shooting the enemy. And the last 20 lines are about bombs. They're about bombs, yeah. Um, it's like, oh, 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 this isn't what I thought. So, clearly, uh, the Esther steps on the crow's beaks. Yes. Accepting his courtship. Um, and then the next scene we see is Dwight is collecting eggs from the chickens. Yes, and Cammy is with him. Yes. Now, clearly, something is missing here. Yes. Because there's not a reason for Cammie to be up with Dwight in no. the morning. So, like, there was clearly some sort of interaction about, like, I bet I can teach your son about the farm. I think this is a good thing. We we all need to get together on this farm again type thing. And uh, we see Dwight as kind of a father figure, and he's not good at it. He says some, like mean things no, to the child. It's actually really cute. Like, it's actually a really good moment because uh, Dwight answers Cammy's question but then says... But, like, in a way that's kind of like this is how life is... And not, it's not cruel. Like, it really shows the opposite ends of the spectrum. Because, Cammy asked Dwight if that's a cow. 
when pointing to a goat. And his response is, did you just ask me if this is a cow? <laughs> like, they're so far apart on, like, this sort of life. Yeah. But Cammy is ultimately willing to learn. Yes. And Dwight's not always willing to teach. Right. Because he, he has that superiority complex. But, like, he, there's cracks in it now. And he kind of teaches the kid how to uh, milk the goat just for a moment, though. Yes. And then immediately snaps back to, you suck at this, let me do this. Yes. So, like, they're setting up that the arc of what this series would be is chipping away at Dwight into making him basically a father figure to this child. And making him a better person. Yeah. Like, maybe making it so that we're rooting for him to marry Esther and start a family. Yeah. Like, making him the kind of person who you wouldn't be uncomfortable with having children. Um... And so then we see Fanny and Cammie preparing to leave. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Cameron properly shakes hands with Dwight. Yeah, gives him a man handshake. And then we kind of... They're, they're refusing to manage the farm. And then they're all back at the farm. They have that, like, change of heart. And then we see yes. the, th- the three Shroot siblings walk off into the sunset over... The strains of sons and daughters by the Decemberists. Well, I, I like the the final the closing lines are. Then the December song, which so they set up that that was going to be the theme yes. for the show. The, there is a bit of an issue now that, like, thinking back of like, the brother was never really convinced. No, like he never really. We never see him put up a fight, and we never see him change his mind. He's just like, all right, I played the Decemberance with you guys for a little bit. I'm down now, which I guess is something that would have been in the the pilot a little more. I also did a little research because uh, the character of Cammy really bugged me. Okay. And I realized it was because it felt like a ripoff of Manny from Modern Family. Like right down to about the age. Yeah, the, the age, the the kind of upper class feeling for him. The kind of like snotty, um, really does come from humble uh, a humble life but doesn't want to betray that. Mm-hmm. Because, like, you know, Manny grew up poor, but now that his mother's with Jay, he likes the finer things in life. And, right. And, you know, we see Cammy in the little Argyle sweaters and... Yeah, it's, it really is very Manny-esque. And, like, Modern Family was first. Really? Yeah. Well, Modern Family also stole their entire format from The Office. So. Oh, yeah. So there! Um, the first episode of Modern Family is actually super interesting, uh, because they set up that it's a reality show and they drop that very quickly. Yeah, it's very difficult to maintain that concept. So, um, we knew before the airing that the pilot was not going to be picked up, so it was going to be recut. Uh, that's why, I mean, we have Esther and we, Esther appears in several more episodes. And by the way, I looked it up, she's 18 years younger than Dwight. Yeah, that sounds about right. Well, they do, they do like incorporate her in the story now, and like he is courting Esther, but then Angela re-enters the picture. 
Yes. So he so Dwight has to break it off with Esther so that he can be with Angela. Which I mean, it's a fine office storyline, but it's a little worrisome knowing that like that might have been the show <laughs> is him and Esther and not him and Angela. Yeah, I mean, I think Angela is a better fit for him, but we also know so very little about Esther's personality. Right. Uh, we literally know that she's a farmer's daughter and she's pretty. And she plays the accordion? Yes. <laughs> so there's that. Uh, so we don't know a lot about her. We don't know a lot about a lot of these people and we never see them again. I mean, we see a lot of them again. We see Zeb again. We see Zeke and we Zeke, see... Um, excuse me. We always see Moe's, but we've seen Moe's before. Yeah, and, and we do see Esther a little bit. Yeah. And I think we see Esther's father a little bit more. I think once or twice, yes. Yeah, because Dwight's supposed to be courting her and he's he's not. Yeah, Esther's in about five episodes of The Office, all at the end. Uh, so, a, a few thoughts uh, that this uh, this episode basically brings about that I wanted to bring up to you. Mm-hmm. How much money does Dwight Schrute make, do you think? I, well, it's hard because he clearly has multiple streams of income. He has a lot of streams of income. Yeah, like... He's a good salesman, and they actually hit the... It's a plot point that at some point he and Jim hit their cap commissions. Yeah. And create a third salesman that's an amalgamation of the two of them. Yeah. And I imagine the cap commission has got to be fairly high. So let's say it's like $100,000. Okay. Or, you know, it's a failing paper company. Yeah, I don't know if it's that high. So let's say that with... The commission cap, they're making, say, $70,000 a year. Mm-hmm. Which is reasonable given if that's their cap. Yeah. Uh, and then with the third guy, that's another, like, 20000 Because you got to figure they have a base salary as well. Right, so, so he's making $90,000 a year. From, from Dunder Mifflin. From Dunder Mifflin. He also has this farm. Yeah, which is a and b Which is a B&B, and he also sells beets. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also owns the building. Yes. So he's also the landlord. So he's also making money that way. Like, Dwight's making money hand over fist. Yeah. I mean, Dwight easily is bringing in, like, low six figures. Uh, or, excuse me, high six figures. Mid to high. I, I feel like we also lost at some point Dwight's nerdiness. Like, at this point, he's not the Battlestar Galactica... While playing uh, Recyclops character he once was. Because he's very, very, he's very much a farmer. Yeah, I mean, there's also the element of it's a completely natural thing when you have 10 seasons. What you're into at 20, you're not into at 30. Yeah. Okay. And like Battlestar Galactica went off the air. So yeah, he's probably not talking about Battlestar Galactica as much because it's not running. Yeah, okay. That's a good point. That's a good point. So, uh, anything else about this episode that you want to bring up? Uh, no, those were really the main things that were on my mind with it. Uh, they throw a lot of characters at you. Yeah, but I do think they do a pretty good job of establishing... I was going to say most of them, but really it's just Jeb. They do a great job of establishing Jeb. The rest of them, you get a few sentences. I think they do a good job of establishing Franny. 
I think that little talking head with her, with the uh, poetry thing. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I think that establishes so much of her. You do learn a lot about her at just that moment. Uh, Do you feel like it separated itself from The Office enough? I think that's impossible to tell from this product. Okay. I think if we'd been able to find the full pilot, Mm -hmm. we could really answer that more. But I kind of feel like they needed... I, I kind of think they reshot the uh, funeral scene to include Oscar. I think that's entirely possible. I also felt like that with the talking heads of the office, they're very bright. Yes. The, and they're they're very much like white light because it's the idea is that they are being, being lit plus the harsh fluorescent lights of an office. Yes. All the talking heads on the farm, it's more of a golden browns. Yeah, it's very like natural light. Natural sunsetty kind kind of golden hour, yeah. Yeah. So I was like, that's kinda nice that they're they're separating it like that. But there are also moments in the talking heads where it's shot with more than one camera. Yes. Like they'll be talking, they'll be doing a talking head, and then it'll cut to a different angle, which is just a slightly different view of their face. And I was like, Well that's weird. Why would they bother to use two cameras to do a talking head? Uh, just a little thing I noticed. Uh, now, by the point... I, it must be said that by the time they're shooting the farm, Parks and Rec is up and running. Yes. The actual spinoff of The Office. Yes. So, like, I think there's an element of... It was borrowing stylistically at that point a little more from Parks and Rec. Okay. Uh, because I think there are times where Parks and Rec has multiple camera angles in the talking heads. Hmm. Because they didn't stick to that documentary format as hard. Yeah. I mean, I, I loved Parks and Rec and I, and I watched all of it. Maybe it's because it happened within the season of The Office, where it's like, this isn't how this is supposed to look. Yes. That that I found it jarring. But it's uh, it's... It's trying to be The Office while not being The Office. It's, it's that fine line that spinoffs need to, you know, walk. Yeah. But uh, I think it, it could have survived decently as a, as a show on its own. I'm not sure. So, I, I think it's time to ask the question then. Should this have stayed doomed? Yes. You say yes. I think The Office had a really nice natural ending that left Dwight in a good place. And I don't really know that we ever would have gotten anything quite so good throwing Dwight. And kind of, Dwight got to stay Dwight. Yeah. Ending the office. I think they would have eventually shaped Dwight into more of a normal everyman. Yeah. To build the show around. I'm going to have to agree because, like, I, I talked a lot about Angela and how, like, I don't want to sacrifice their relationship for this show. The natural ending of The Office is Dwight becomes regional manager. Yes. And to not have that seems to be, like, the the real crime. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I honestly think that it should have ended with Jim being the regional manager, him finally stepping up and accepting his place in the company. But uh, Schrute always wanted it. And, like, seeing him achieve it is something that is rewarding as an audience member. And by the time the episode, the show was done, Dwight had evolved in such a way that we wanted him to get it. Yes. 
So I think that's important, is that, like, season one Dwight getting the job as regional manager is horrifying. Yeah. Season nine Dwight, he has learned to be a fair, decent person. Mm-hmm. And... Because yeah. the last thing he says before becoming the regional manager is him accepting the idea of it being Jim. Yeah, and then, like... And then I guess, like, Jim doesn't need it. Jim and Pam, who've never really been happy in Scranton... Yeah. ...move on. Yeah. Like he's always wanted to. So I guess that kind of works out, too. Yep. Uh, I will... I do want to throw this extra question out. Which member of the office should have had a spinoff? Ooh. Because I have my answer, but uh, I'll give you a moment to think. Huh. Which episode... I mean, you definitely could have... I I was a little surprised they didn't just try to follow Daryl, Jim, and Pam. Yeah, I think you could I'm have done I'm glad a they nice, didn't. What the hell was their... Oh, my God. Athlete. Athlete or athlete, I think is what it turns into. Yeah, something dumb. Uh, I'm trying to think of who I would have wanted to see. I... Hmm. I think we could have seen what Aaron's next move is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we could have seen Oscar... I, th- I think Oscar, because Oscar runs for political office, right? Yes. So political office could have worked. Yeah. Uh, I also think uh, uh, the audition where we, we follow Andy trying to become a superstar would have worked. But I think he was too big at the time. He to was really too famous. That. And by season nine, the writers, in order to make other characters work better, mm-hmm. made Andy incredibly unlikable in the last season. Yeah. So he would have been a really difficult character to spin off. But uh, believe it or not... After seeing this episode, I think the best person to do a spinoff for is Todd Packer. Ugh. Like, let him hit rock bottom and then have him, like, actually crawl out of that hole. Because he's the only one that, like, he doesn't get a nice arc. He's a jerk from beginning to end and we never see him change. Yeah. So I think if we had a Todd Packer sleazy con man. I don't think I would have watched that show. I think it would be fun. I really like him as an actor. Something The Office and Parks and Rec do that was uncommon in its time and is still somewhat uncommon is they had the nerve to be decent. Like, one of the things I really enjoyed about the ending of Parks and Rec Mm -hmm. was how kind-spirited it was. One of the things I really enjoyed about the ending of The Office is how kind-spirited the show is. Mm -hmm. And how, like, you know, Parks and Rec... Everyone really cares about each other, and everyone's crappy to Jerry. And then it turns out Jerry has an inconceivably good home yeah, life. Yeah, he has a good life. And then, like, Jerry actually has the kindest ending. Mm-hmm. Like, he dies the day after his 100th birthday, surrounded by his extraordinarily loving family. Mm-hmm. Like, but that's what I'm thinking about, is, like, I like that The Office has that kind-spirited aspect yeah. to it. And that's why I don't want to spin off Jim and Pam or Andy. Because, you know what? I think they all got the ending that they deserved. The, I'm trying to think, like, who still has places to go. I'm saying Oscar. Aaron. I think Oscar, we definitely could see more. We could follow Erin looking for her birth family. That's called Kimmy Schmidt. Fair. Um, I think Kimmy Schmidt's a better show than the Erin spinoff would have been. Yeah, yeah. At least especially season one of Kimmy Schmidt. I just really... want to give Todd Packer more work. He's very funny, and he doesn't get enough. He's always just that weird guy in that movie. Yeah, I mean, he probably... 
he was an anchorman. He's probably making more money than we could conceive David of. David Keckner is his name. David yeah. Keckner. You know, if you do enough of those that guy roles, you make a lot of bank, right? Yeah, I mean, he's that guy in Waiting. He's that guy in Thank You for Smoking. Like, he does a lot of those. Legitimately, that's, like, my dream career is, like... Judy Greer, like, that guy. Hey, hey, they're in this again. Yeah, like, the, oh, that, that person's in this. That's fun. We need someone that plays this character. You know, weird-talking douche? Oh, get David Koechner. Yeah, David Koechner. If you're listening to this, is probably like, yeah, that's me. That's me. That's my niche. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a stay doomed uh, from both of us for this one. It's not worth losing what we'd have to lose for this show to exist. Yeah, that being said, it's not bad, and it probably would have been a good show that we probably would have covered because it probably wouldn't have run very long. I don't... I mean, it's peak... Uh, I'm trying to think of any, sp- like, spin-offs after their show was canceled had ever worked. Like, Laverne and Shirley works. Mork and Mindy work. But, like, the show is over, but this person's gonna stay that role. Yeah. I guess Frasier? Frasier, to be fair, though... They moved Frasier so far out of Cheers. Because Cheers takes place in Boston and Frasier takes place in Seattle. Yes, and Frasier also forgets he likes beer. Yes, thank you, friend of the podcast, Jeff Stormer. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, that's inevitable in these shows. It's like, something from the original show gets, you know, shaven off to what the new character really is. Yeah. So... It's a stay doomed, but uh, we have more backdoor pilots to watch. Yes. Uh, what will we be watching next week? Uh, next week we're going to relive one of my all-time favorite shows. If you were a fan of the Disney Afternoon, you remember Gargoyles. Mm-hmm. We're going to cover the season three episode, Pendragon. Yes, Pendragon, which is meant to spin off uh, what character? Arthur Pendragon. Oh, well, that makes sense. Yeah, it's... Uh, very much based on the Arthurian legend. Yeah. Ep- season three, Gargoyles got real weird. Okay. All right. I'm not a, a, a Garganite, so uh, I'll be learning some stuff. You've only seen this. the first season, and you've seen the first season several times. Not true. I've seen the first season. I've never watched Gargoyles. Really? I've never made you watch Gargoyles? No, you constantly tell me you're going to, and then you don't. All right. Where can we find you, Noah? Yeah, if you want to reach out to me and yell at me for having never seen Gargoyles, I'm at TV's Noah. Uh, if you want to watch Gargoyles, I'm at Priorities. You can email the show at The Stay Doomed Show. And on Facebook and Twitter, we're at Stay Doomed. And until next time, you know. Fill our mouths to cinema. Stay doomed, guys. Okay, bye. <laughs>